Well, friends, I'm kind of glad we're doing this in the summer when a lot of the kids are on vacation because Ham is a pretty scandalous guy, and this whole story is uh, a little bit crazy this morning. Let's pray together, and we will study the Word of God. Gracious God, we thank you for this good opportunity. Help us do something good with it. In your name we pray. Amen. So, Miss McGeorge has a very simple rule for her first grade class. Unless something is on fire, unless someone is hurt and there must be blood, unless someone is hurting someone else, you do not need to tell me. She is trying, rather unsuccessfully, to move her students away from being tattletales. And first grade is a wonderful time to learn this because first graders love, they love to report on what everybody else is doing all day long. And you would think that at a certain age, we would outgrow this compulsive need to announce the sins and injustices of others to whoever is willing to listen. But there is much evidence, most of it anecdotal, to suggest that that is just simply not true. And like I told the kids, we're adults. We don't call it tattletaling. We call it gossip because that just sounds worse. What adults do, what adults do is they they couch it in, in the form of information sharing. Sometimes churches call it prayer requests, right? We're, real, we're really good about that here in this congregation. We don't, we don't do that. But gossip is a much bigger issue in Scripture than, than you might imagine. One of the first encounters that we have with gossip comes to us via the sons of Noah, now, when you think of Noah, you immediately think ark, flood, water, all of that stuff. But today's story comes to us post-ark. So we are, we are post-ark Noah. He's off the boat. The waters have receded. We're going forward in Genesis 9 with Noah and his sons. The sons of Noah who went out of the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham was the father of Canaan. These three were the sons of Noah. They formed the whole earth, and, and from them it was peopled. Noah, a man of the soil, was the first to plant a vineyard. So if you plant a vineyard, you're going to be making some wine. He drank some of the wine, he became drunk, and he lay uncovered in his tent. Isn't that a nice way of, of describing a hangover, right? It's kind of scandalous here because Noah's drunk. Now, Scripture doesn't say that Noah was a drunk, that he spent all of his hours in a drunken stupor, that the whole village referred to him as the town drunk. What it says is that he drank some wine that he made with the grapes from his vineyard. He became drunk, and then he lay uncovered in his tent. So the words here seem to indicate that, that this is a pretty isolated incident. This is not regular behavior, but it's Noah, and Noah's the ark guy. That's what he's known for. He's, he's respected. God loved him. God picked him out of all humanity. He's a, he's a big deal. And so Noah should be operating at a higher standard here. But we don't have 
a backstory on this. There's no backstory in the scripture. We, we don't know about Noah's winemaking skills. It's possible that this was the first go around and he had no clue what he was doing. We have no way of gauging if they knew how, how to gauge the proof of alcohol back then. My guess is going to be probably not. We don't know if there was a party. What if there was a celebration? We got off the ark party and things got out of hand. We don't know. That doesn't seem to be the case here. But clearly, somehow, we got to this place where Noah is passed out drunk and naked in his own home, which is important. In his own home. He's not out on the roads. He's not running around the neighborhood. He's not being a public nuisance. But he did drink too much, and now he's going to have to deal with the repercussions of his actions. You can do a lot in the privacy of your own home, which doesn't necessarily mean that it's right or moral or that there won't be consequences to it. It just means that if you do it in your own home, you stand a better chance of not having your activities publicized to the entire world. Unless Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father, and he told his two brothers outside. Noah's son discovers his father, shares his father's failings with his brothers who were outside. Now, based on Noah's reaction that Robert just read, I don't think this was one of those, hey, guys, dad, dad had a little bit too much to drink last night. He's in there, and it's not looking good. I don't think that's how this went. I think this was, guys, you are not going to believe this. Dad totally hit the bottle last night, completely wasted, passed out on the floor of the tent naked. I think that's what happened because Noah was not happy. Now, we also don't know what Ham's intent was here. Was he telling his brothers this story because he had something against Noah and this was malicious? Was it because he was mad at Noah and he just saw this as a great opportunity to get him back? Was it because he thought it was legitimately funny and that his brothers would probably be entertained by it as well? We don't know any of those things. None of that. But here's what we know for sure. There are consequences to getting drunk, especially if you get drunk to the point of passing out. It is a fact that drinking impairs your judgment. That's why we have such an issue with drinking and driving. We know that coming out of a drunken stupor is not typically an easy process, and anyone who's ever suffered through a hangover does not go around highly recommending it to their friends. We also know that many people do things that they regret when their judgment is impaired, both in their words and in their actions. We know that lives have been radically altered because of impaired behavior. We know all of that. And very often, so does the person who's done the drinking. Because one way or another, they're going to wake up the next morning and they're going to have some form of consequence to deal with. So in Noah's case, it's going to be waking up to find himself naked and hung over. And I'm pretty sure that if Noah could think straight at that point, he would not look back at that night and think, man, I should do that again. Nonetheless, 
with or without the facts or the background, Ham went out and he told his brothers. And his brothers decided to approach their father in a very different way. Shem and Jabeth took a garment, laid it on both of their shoulders, and walked back and covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned away. They did not see their father's nakedness. So, okay, so we're outside of the tent. We're going to put the blankets on ourselves. We're going to back in, right? But we're not, we're not looking at dad. We're going to shrug the blankets off. We're going to hope it's covered, dad, and we're getting out. But we're not, we're not looking. We're not going to stick around to see Noah in all of his glory. One of the things I want you to notice about this story is that none of Noah's actions changed here. He'd still gotten drunk. He still passed out naked. But it's the response of the sons that's different between Ham and his brother Shem and Japheth. When Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his youngest son had done, he said, Cursed be Canaan, lowest of the slaves, shall he be to his brothers. He also said, Blessed blessed by the Lord my God be Shem, let Canaan be his slave. May God make space for Japheth and let him live in the tents of Shem and let Canaan be his slave. Here's your bonus unusual character here. Japheth, he is the famous middle child everywhere. Because you look at this, we're going to curse Canaan, we are going to bless Shem, and we're just going to hope to make space for Japheth somewhere in here. But you'll also notice this. When Noah responds, he talks about Canaan, Shem, Japheth. Ham's the one that went into the tent. Why are we not talking about Ham? Ham's the one that went and told everybody about it. He's the one who betrayed his father's dignity and embarrassed him. So who is Canaan and why does he get punished instead of Ham? How many of you have ever heard the expression, the sins of the father? It's a biblical expression. Ham was Canaan's father. Canaan would have then been Noah's grandson. And although the biblical reason for skipping this particular generation is because God has already blessed Ham, so there's no curse from Noah that's going to undo a blessing from God, the only thing that is worse than suffering yourself is to see your children suffer. So the Canaanites were ultimately driven out of the promised land and they were enslaved by the Israelites later on. Some scholars argue that what we commonly refer to as Ham's curse is actually a prophecy that will come true for the Canaanite people later on. Now it's probably right around this point that those of us who are very justice-driven, who have a high sense of what is right and what is wrong and who gets punished and when, are going to have some concerns about how this whole event went down. Let's remember, Noah started this whole mess. Why isn't he being punished? Well, let's go back to Miss McGeorge's first grade classroom. Little Tommy is not happy. Something has happened. We do not know what it is in a first grade classroom. It could be absolutely anything under the sun. In his anger, he has taken a pencil, he has snapped it in half, and he has thrown it on the floor. There's an immediate consequence for Tommy here. He is now pencilless, and he's angry, and he's going to have to deal with all of that. That's a lot for a first grader to deal with. However, Christopher sees Tommy do this, immediately goes and reports it to Miss McGeorge, 
and ends up getting, Christopher ends up getting a lecture about being a tattletale because it doesn't meet the criteria, right? Nothing's on fire, nobody's hurt or bleeding, nobody's about to hurt somebody else. Why does Christopher get the lecture? Because life happens, and people have bad days, and they make mistakes, and sometimes they just flat out sin, and they do suffer those consequences, and nobody does anybody else a favor by gossiping or tattletaling about it. Ham did not find himself in trouble because of what he saw. He found himself in trouble because of what he said. He looked at his father's failing, and instead of helping his father to redeem himself, he went out into the public square and mocked his father's shame for something that happened in his own home. Nobody's going to argue that Noah was perfect here. We know that's not the case. We know that Noah was not without sin because if he was without sin, his name would have been Jesus and the Bible would have been a whole lot shorter. But what's shocking to us is that Noah's this well-respected individual, has a long history of obedience, and yet still had a fall. And that happens, doesn't it? You've seen that happen in the larger church world. Great respected leaders they have this fall from grace sometimes. And when that happens, the world likes to gossip about it. Years ago, I was interviewing for my very first call, and I was having dinner with the senior pastor and his family, and the pastor's daughter, who was about 12 years old at the time, started to tell me the story about something her dad had done. I didn't have uh, kids that were of talking age at this point, so I did not understand how dangerous a 12-year-old could possibly be. I, I know now. But, um, <laughs> but anyway, realizing that this story was not going to be flattering, her dad gave her this sideways glance, looked at her across the table, and said, take it to the grave. Now... <laughs> I don't think there's anything in this story that she was about to tell that was illegal or immoral, but I do think it was probably a story that was pretty embarrassing for her father. And if you really thought about it, there's probably things that you have done that you would prefer not be shared with everybody out in the public arena. Our sin, our, our moral failings, they're not good jokes. They're not... They're not good stories. They're not good ways for others to attempt to increase their social status at our expense. In fact, when, when we turn other people's sins into jokes and stories, it actually reveals something about us. It reveals that, that we don't take sin all that seriously, and, and it is just a joke to us. I, I really doubt that Noah, upon waking up, thought that his situation was funny. And then to have his moral failings broadcast in a less than honorable way by his own son would have been understandably devastating. The other piece of this story deals with Canaan, who must have been alive at this point because he's named, he's called out by name by Noah. And Canaan is Ham's son. And what this means is that Canaan witnessed his father's behavior. He's probably one of the ones that got to hear the story of 
granddad's naked in the tent, passed out. Children learn from their parents. They imitate their parents. So if dishonoring your parents and making light and reveling in other people's sin and moral failures is what Ham demonstrated for his son, then it's not all that hard to imagine that the curse on Canaan from Noah wouldn't have become a self-fulfilling prophecy anyway because the son is just going to follow in the footsteps of the father. Sin impacts generations and should never be taken lightly or as a source of gossip for the benefit of gossip's sake. Again, Ham's sin is not what he saw, but what he said. And what he said impacted generations. Here's the truth about sin. Each one of us, each one of us, every person in this room carries plenty of it. We are not in a competition on this. And your sin doesn't become more acceptable if my sin is worse. Now here's the good news. God doesn't need you to tattletale on your family and your friends and your neighbors any more than he needs them to tattletale on you because he's already seen it all. In fact, he's seen so much of it, he's seen the dark parts of your heart that you think nobody knows about. And there is nothing, there's nothing that he's seen that makes you unforgivable or unlovable. So, so much so that he went ahead and he paid for your sins so that they wouldn't define you or trap you. You are set free because of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is the only one who can testify on your behalf knowing what you have done and yet still offer to give up his life so that you can have yours. If you're going to tattletale, if you're going to gossip, if you're going to spread news about what somebody has done, here's the news that you spread. Jesus loves you. He died for you. You are saved in him. To God be the glory, now and forevermore. Friends, would you pray with me as the band comes up? Holy God, we confess that sometimes gossip is just so appealing. There's just so many good things that we want to share because we think it's funny or interesting or it makes us look better or feel better. But the truth is it really reveals parts of our heart that if we had to confess out loud, we would find would not be good for us, would not lift us up, would not give dignity to who we are. And so we pray, Lord, that that we would be cognizant of the way that we speak and the things that we share and that we tell, and that in all that we do, we would bring glory and honor to you. In your name we pray. Amen.